the church uh, that you get the CD um, because God's truth is, is eternal and it's important for us to know it and understand it as it relates to us. Paul had a, a young man that he mentored by the name of Timothy. He had several, but one of them was Timothy. And he left Timothy at Ephesus to lead the church at Ephesus. And he wrote letters to Timothy. In 1 Timothy was the first letter to Timothy. And, of course, um, the deeper truths that we like to impart. Second Timothy is the second letter that he wrote. In the Greek, it still means the same. Second letter to Timothy, okay? So um, at any rate, he gave him much instruction about um, the local church. And in First Timothy chapter 4, we want to read um, the first uh, several verses here, first eight verses. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am ready, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. So we find Paul exhorting from his own life and giving Uh, Timothy direct commands, this is what I want you to do. I want you to preach the word. I want you to be ready always to convince and rebuke and correct with sound doctrine. And it is important, the principles that he brings out here, and that we realize these and understand them. This truth is, is illustrated throughout the Bible over and over again. For example, in 1 Chronicles 13, 14, and 15, the nation Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, had been captured by the Philistines, and um, they were holding it at a place about 10 miles northwest of Jerusalem, Kirjath-Jerim. Jerusalem was being established as the capital, and David, as a result, wanted to bring the ark back home. He made plans for a grand procession of the ark. They um, consulted the leaders and said, yes, we, we need to bring the ark back. And if God is for us, let us bring the ark back as God directs. 
And they, they included God in all this and, and had good motives for doing this. And, and David had them construct a very special cart that the ark would be put on and it would be drawn by some oxen in a grand procession. And so they went back, and the Philistines had been taking this Ark of the Covenant around. They had it on a cart. They traveled it everywhere. And um, now it was time for David and Israel to bring it back to Jerusalem. And they took this cart, and they put the Ark of the Covenant on, and they began the 10-mile journey to Jerusalem with joy and anticipation and and a grand processional. And partway through this time, an oxen stumbled and the Ark of the Covenant on this cart started to shake. And Uzzah, a priest, reached out and touched it to keep it from falling off the cart. And immediately he was stricken dead. And David was um, somewhat upset. He was angry at God. I'm trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and, and you bring this judgment. But wisely, David said to God, God, how are we supposed to bring the Ark of the Covenant back? Well, God had already answered them. Years ago, in Exodus 25, he told them that the ark was to be carried, poles run through the sides of the ark. It was to be carried. It was not to be put on a cart. It was to be carried only by Levites. And they were clearly told in the instructions that they should not touch any holy thing. Nothing of the ark should they touch, lest they die. This time, David didn't consult with the leaders of Israel. He consulted with God. He told the people that Uzzah died because we had not followed God's plan and God's order. And so they did it according to God's plan and God's order. They brought the Ark of the Covenant back, and um, God blessed them and used them in a, in a great way. When David had watched one of his own die, you can imagine what went through his heart. And as he began to realize wait a minute, this is how God told us we ought to do it, and this is how we were doing it. David literally said, get that cart out of here. Give me, in essence, what he said, give me the Word of God. We see that David came back to the standard of God's Word. We all have established something or some things in our life that serve as our standard. 
A standard is a rule or a basis of comparison. It's used by general agreement that we're agreeing this is going to be the standard to determine whether something should be or should not be. Quality control experts in factories, they have a standard. Nope, this doesn't meet the standard. We can't send it out. It can't represent us. But when it comes to a church, what is the standard for the church? David learned the hard way that something that may work for the world, the Philistines, carried the ark around on the cart, and no one ever died as a result of them touching the Ark of the Covenant. But what worked for the world does not work for God's people. What is the standard for a church? To some, it is the world. This is a principle that works in business. Hey, let's just bring it over here. I think in the nearly 40 years that I've been in ministry, the one thing that I've seen, a major change in church circles is, and especially in leadership in churches, is leadership that went from servant leadership to CEO leadership, to running a business, to um, marketing things, to executive of an, of an organization. This is not a business. Church is not a business in the sense of the world. And what may work to grow a business in the world is not what God intended for His church to be. Sometimes churches have as their standard the traditions of men. Well, this is, this is the way we've done it. This is, this is how um, it should be done. Sometimes churches establish um, as their standard, popularity. This is, this is what everybody likes. This is what everybody is for. Sometimes churches establish as their standard success. Does it work? Sometimes we measure. Does it, does it bring a lot of people? Does it pay all the bills? If, if that's a standard, um, Probably everybody should become Mormon. They're a fast-growing church. They're a very wealthy church. I mean, if that's the standard, uh, if that's the standard, the richest church in the world is the Roman Catholic. I mean, and yet to many, even in Bible-believing churches, it's easy to say we must be doing something right because we have a crowd or we must be doing something wrong because we don't, is that the basis? Is that the standard? Some, it's a sense of loyalty to men, to institutions. Uh, to some, it's a loyalty to doctrine. And, and I say that very carefully, and we'll get into this later. Um, but doctrine is very, very important. But some 
have have established certain doctrines even above Christ, and they have a loyalty. To some, it's a measure, a standard for me, for a church. To some, is is just pleasure. I like it. I like it this way, or I like it this way. And we have in America um, where you can just about get any kind of church of any stripe. You know, Baskin-Robbins. You're familiar with Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors ice cream, and and um, it's kind of the way it is in Christianity. What flavor do you want? And we'll serve up what you want. Is that the standard that God desires? Well, Paul, writing to Timothy, said, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The standard that God establishes for a local church is the Word of God. It is the only standard that, that God has given for individuals or churches And it is His Word. Preach the Word of God. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 to the believers at the church at Philippi. He said, Hold forth the Word of life that you may rejoice in the day of Christ that you have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. One of the distinctives, one of the distinct matters of, of truly... Baptist people is number one distinctive of a Baptist is that the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice. The Bible is our only rule for authority and practice. That everything that we do ought to have a basis in the Word of God. There's not a district um book that covers the churches in this area that it dictates. The church constitution, although it's necessary to to operate in, in organization and operate legally, does not take precedence over the Word of God. The Bible is our only authority, is our only rule for authority and for specific practice. I remember years ago hearing Dr. Glenn Jasper say, the Bible is God's mind concerning everything. If you want to know what God thinks, you go to the Bible. And in regard to the church, the Bible is the standard. We need to check, okay, what does God say about this? And the church is made up, as we saw last week, of many different members. That means, as members, it needs to be my standard. I need to check every thought, every word, against the Word of God. Is this thought correct with the Word of God? Is this action that I'm taking correct with the Word of God? Do you understand? It's not some mystery. It's not like... um, like God's standard is hidden and, and you have to try this. Does this meet your standard, God? Oh, it doesn't. Right, let me try this. God's standard is, first of all, known. 
He's, he's given us the word of God. We have no excuse. He, he makes known his ways to us. He makes known everything we need for doctrine, for practice, for belief, everything he's made it known to us. Secondly, God's standard is right. We've, um, we've all had experiences where we've thought this was the standard. And then we come along and find out, no, this was the standard. That was a wrong standard that we were having. God's Word is the standard, and it is always right. He is perfect in all His ways. So you never have to worry about, um, wait a minute, I, I thought this was what we were supposed to do. No, if this is God's standard, we know it's always right. Number three, God's standard is unchangeable. It is eternal. Heaven and earth may pass away, Jesus said in Matthew 5, but my words will not pass away. It is unchangeable. It is universal. It applies to everyone. And it is final. It is God said it. That settles it. Whether we believe it or not, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he reiterates over again, preach the word so that you don't have to be ashamed at his coming. In Proverbs 35, in Proverbs 30 in verse 5, he says um, that my word is eternal and no man can change it. Revelation, he says, don't add to my words or take away from it. God said it. That settles it. It's not up for debate. And we will someday answer to God and his standard. When every other standard is gone, God's word will be standing. So see, the standard for a church must be the word of God and not just a part of it. So we ask, we come to this conclusion. If God's word is our standard, how should it affect my life? Well, if God's word is my standard, our standard, number one, we better study the Bible. We better study and find out what is the standard. Second Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the word of God so that I understand this is the standard. Oh, I don't need to be ashamed. I understood the standard, and that's what I made the standard of my life. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. What he's saying is there are going to be workmen that stand before God and are going to be ashamed because they did not study the Word of God. They did not study the standard. So what we need to ask about everything, is it biblical? Is this activity biblical? Is this thought biblical? Is my attitude biblical? What does the Bible say about this? See, and, and for us to become 
Biblical thinkers means that we need to study the Word of God. If God's Word is our standard, secondly, we will hear things that we don't want to hear. You go to the Word of God, and you read the Word of God, and there are going to be things that you hear that you're, you're going to say, Wow, I didn't want to hear that today. Why? Because it goes against our old nature. It goes against the flesh. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, just previous, the verse right previous to where we began, Paul said to Timothy, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. How many of you love reproof? How many of you, if someone said, hey, could I get with you tonight after church? I, I want to correct you. I want to give you some reproof. You'll say, man, let's, let's not wait till then. Let's just do it now. I love reproof. We don't like reproof or correction. The Word of God is profitable. If the Word of God is your standard, you will hear things that you don't want to hear. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Okay, I want you to think in your mind of some person that you have been struggling with lately, okay? Some person that... Maybe just rubs you the wrong way. Don't look at them. Don't give an elbow to them in their ribs right now, okay? But I want you to think of that person as I begin reading verse 12. Therefore, as Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, that's describing you. You are chosen of God, set apart, loved of God. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also must you. Now, already you're thinking, that person's not deserving of it. But let's go on. And above all things, put on love with this person, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through Him. Now, right there, here it is. We're struggling with this individual, and the Lord says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holiness of mind, humbleness of mind, kindness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. I don't feel like. If the Bible is your standard, you're going to hear things you don't want to hear. There's times the truth of God's Word 
just comes and it's like, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. And the Bible will bring us things we don't want to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read earlier, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, the time will come, they won't endure sound doctrine, they'll, they'll go out and they'll get teachers that tell them what they want to hear, they'll turn away their ears from the truth, but he said, I want you to be watchful in all things and preach the word of God. People leave churches for all kinds of excuses, but in a true Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that is committed to have as its standard the Word of God, there will be people leave for all kinds of excuses, but many times the bottom line is because they don't want to hear the truth. just doesn't fit. Honestly, there's, there's times when I preach stuff that I didn't want to hear it when God brought it to me. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether I want to hear it. If it's truth, that's what we have to be committed to. It's to the Word of God. If God's Word is our standard, we will be misunderstood or persecuted, or both. Jeremiah's standard, we don't have time to go into it, but Jeremiah's standard was the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. And Jeremiah was imprisoned. He was misunderstood. You are not for me. You are not for Israel. You always speak against us. Go get a prophet that speaks for us. Jeremiah was for them. He was speaking the truth. He was imprisoned. He was thrown into a slime pit. He was hated. Why? Because his standard was the Word of God. When your standard is the Word of God, you also may be called upon to stand alone. You may be the only one in your extended family that that really is committed to the truth. You may be the only one that makes your standard the Word of God and you're trying to live it out. Jeremiah stood alone, alone with God. It's better to stand alone on the Word of God than with anything else. And understand, standing with the standard of truth does not necessarily mean it will be the most popular thing. Tell Stephen that. Tell Paul that. Tell Pastor Saeed that. We could go on through history. But if God's Word is our standard, the day will come when we will have great rejoicing. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 4 again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and notice verse, I'm in 1 Timothy, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Paul said, I am now ready to be offered 
and the time of my departure is at hand. He understood, I'm about ready to check out of here. But he was able to say, I've fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. A crown of righteousness awaited him. Paul said, I've, I've been committed to the truth. I used to persecute the truth, but now I've come to see that the standard is the Word of God. I've embraced it. I've tried to run my life according to the Word of God. As a result of that, someday I will have a crown of righteousness. Why? You will never, ever regret obeying God, regardless of the cost. You will never regret obeying God. We sang this morning that last song that, that we had sung, um, 301, I think it was, Make Me a Stranger. Um, Lord, I find myself loving earthly treasures, simple pleasures, taking your place. Nothing can measure to the heavenly treasures, hearing well done and seeing your face. Nothing can measure to the heavenly treasure of knowing that you're not ashamed because the standard was the Word of God. Now, it doesn't do any good to come to a church that is committed to the standard of the Word of God if we don't have the same standard and pursue the same standard in our life. You may feel like giving somebody a piece of your mind, but you say, wait a minute, the standard is the Word of God. I need to have humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Okay, okay, okay. You may not feel like zipping your mouth and shutting it and overcoming evil with good in your home, But you say, wait a minute, my standard is the Word of God. It's not my opinion. It's not what will make me feel good. It's not what I think is right. It's not what I feel like doing now. My standard is the Word of God. And God says a soft answer turns away wrath and grievous words stir up anger. You may not feel like being a servant and and ministering and helping or, or just... Doing a simple little thing, you might say, let somebody else do that. You may not feel, but you say, wait a minute, my standard is the Word of God. My desire, personally, as pastor, is to speak the truth in love. And I understand, not everybody wants the truth. You don't know how many times um, sitting in, in my office, talking to couples, talking to individuals, and I know when I speak the truth, I know it's not going to be received because of what they've already said and what they're doing. But it's not up to me to change the truth to make it acceptable to them. 
I don't care if it's on marriage. I don't care if it's on morals or, or finances or life or whatever it is. I'm just a messenger. All I can do is present the truth. And honestly, my job here is not to build the church. My job is what Paul told Timothy, preach the word. God is the one that builds a church. And it's important. God is not going to ask, did you say things to bring people in? Did you say things to keep people? Did you say things so-and-so, so-and-so? Years ago, when, when we were facing some real issues, I said, hey, if this is God's church, he'll take care of it. And if it's not, the sooner it dies, the better. There's nothing special about this church except as it is committed to the Word of God. And the reality is, it's not my job. I can't make this church committed to the Word of God. The church is made up of many organs, many members, many individuals. And as individuals, we need to come back and say, you know what? The standard for my life is the Word of God. God, what does your Word tell me about being a husband? That's the standard for my life. God, what does your Word tell me about being a son or a daughter? That's the standard. God, what does your Word tell me about being a wife? That's the standard for my life. God, what does it tell me about going to work? That's the standard for my life. And then as we're committed to that, then we can be a church that has the standard as the Word of God. It doesn't do any good to have preaching that it holds forth the Word of truth if we as people don't hold forth the Word of truth. Holding forth the Word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You don't want to stand before God and understand that you lived your life in vain. The only way to avoid that is to make God's Word your standard. There's some that have already understood God's standard for salvation is Jesus Christ alone. And I think sometimes in Christianity we think that's the standard. Jesus Christ alone, He alone saves, that's it, that's good, I'm good to go. That's the standard. No, that's the standard for salvation. The standard for Christian living is to walk in the Spirit. And he says, if you are a child of mine, you may have been reading in James, if you say you have faith and don't have works, you don't have a real faith, he's saying. Because faith without the evidence of works is dead. And works alone cannot save, but if you have a real faith in Christ, it will be manifest because the the Bible is my standard. So that means how I respond to these people. What does God's Word say? You'll never ever regret obeying God. So we ask the question, is The standard in your life, the Word of God, does everything get measured to that? 
You know, we, we can have a lot of discussions about a lot of things, but the bottom line is, what's God's Word say about it? This morning in the men's class, it came up about euthanasia. You know what? It, it really doesn't matter what I think about it, what you think about it, what anybody thinks about it. It matters what God says about it. What's a biblical principle that applies? In every area of our life, our standard. Well, this is the way my family's always been. Well, maybe your family's always been wrong. Oh, no, no, not my family. We got German heritage. We got Irish. We're a Duke's mixture. We're this, that, and the other. Yeah, you're wrong. We're all wrong. Only God is right. It's the way we've always done it. Well, it's time you start doing it right. This is how family's always been. No, time we start doing it right. My standard is the Word of God. Can we truly say that? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make the applications of these truths in our lives. Lord, I pray that, that we would be lovers of truth, and in that, we are lovers of you. And not just in something that we say, but Lord, that the standard that we measure every thought, that we measure every word, that we measure every attitude, that we measure every action by would be your word. And Lord, I do thank you that as we go to your word, you tell us things that we don't want to hear. But it's the things that you know we need. Lord, I pray that we would individually be people of the book and that collectively we would be a local body that truly is committed to the standard of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.